athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I just poured something in my cup. You're locked into the dopest show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. We got a whole lot to get to on today's program. The big news, North Carolina A&T Athletics with a big announcement. I'm going to talk more about that on the program today. National Signing Day was Wednesday, and I know we have the the early period in December. Um, I'm more of a traditionalist and really had a chance to comb the 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 lists and tell you what recruiting in hbcu football is getting so much better it is so up i mean you know it's almost commonplace like i don't know maybe you look back and you know i think this is the 13th year maybe that I'll rank the top 10 recruiting classes. I'm going to do that today here on the program. I'm going to give you my thoughts. I reserve the right uh, because it's it's a, it's fluid. So it's still you're still going to get some guys that are going to sign. Ultimately, um, for instance, I know uh, Florida A&M had had a, a, a big time guy to sign the day after uh, Wednesday in, in, in terms of the paperwork coming through. I'll talk a little bit more about that. So, I mean, it's sort of still a fluid situation on next week. We'll have the write-up that we generally have at BoxToRow.com, at BoxToRow.com. But today, where we stand right now, I'm going to give you my top 10 HBCU uh, recruiting classes from the teams uh, in uh, the FCS. And uh, so you can give me your thoughts on that. Of course, you can always hit us up on the program uh, at box to row via Twitter, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. But I'm going to tell you what, the recruiting is up in HBCU football. The recruiting is up, and that's a great thing. A lot of talent coming in. And uh, with me, uh, I know a lot of the teams bring in a lot of FBS transfers, um, which is fine. A lot of times you have to fill needs. And I think some teams that brought in, um, I mean, for instance, you look at the quarterback uh, transferring in from Kansas State to Florida A&M. That's an immediate need uh, because you have Xavier Smith and like the top three receivers coming back from Florida A&M. So that's a big get right there. And so, you know, I, I, I when I do my rankings, it's uh, you know, it's not really about the FBS transfers per se. Uh, it's more about, you know, what uh, you were able to do uh, looking at the future with a, a lot of the high school kids. Uh, definitely consider some some junior college kids as well. 
and, uh, you know, w- what immediate needs that you feel. So going to talk about that, give you my rundown today on that. Uh, North Carolina A&T uh, acting head men's basketball coach Will Jones going to join us on the program as well. If you want to join us here on From the Press Box to Press Row, hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. Thank you to all of the outstanding affiliates around the country that carry From the Press Box to Press Row, WGBN in Pittsburgh. Uh, you got WTAL in Tallahassee, so many great affiliates. Those listening to us on Sirius XM Channel 142 and those listening to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. I mean, if you had a chance to check out my uh, uh, Twitter page, or not Twitter, but uh, uh, Instagram page, Facebook page on last week. Last week had a chance to go down to Charlotte, catch up with uh, three-time Super Bowl winning head coach, five-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Joe Gibbs had a sit down with Joe Gibbs, something that NASCAR arranged. Thank you for that, NASCAR, and had a chance to catch up with Joe Gibbs. Let's go to that interview now. All right, I'm here with the legendary coach and legendary NASCAR owner, uh, Joe Gibbs, who, of course, is going into the NASCAR uh, Hall of Fame. And uh, Coach Gibbs, first of all, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it, Donald. Uh, getting a chance to speak to you and i just found out you're a redskin fan i'm all fired up (laughs) big time redskins fans we'll talk a little bit more about that what is it i mean you're already in the pro football hall of fame three super bowls what does it now mean to be inducted into the nascar hall of fame well when you get uh something like this and you think about it for me my entire life has been teams and I found that I was a very poor athlete, so I made up my mind I was always going to be in team sports, <laughs> not individual sports. And if you do that, you can kind of hide on good teams and get some of the credit when you win. And I've done the same thing in NASCAR, really. Uh, we got great people, you know, over 500 people there working at um, our race team. And they've done the work, and then I get shoved up front. Um, but I've been so blessed. Uh, I know... I'm one of the most, I guess, luckiest people in the world because I've been able to enjoy two great times in my life and careers, football and racing. Most people in life never get one, and I've got two. So I I realized how fortunate I am and how many people it took to get me here. And then also, I mean, with that, going in with Tony Stewart and Bobby Labonte, who were two of, I guess, your first and second drivers, as a matter of fact, when you got into this. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, uh, those two guys, um, first of all, they gave us three of our championships, Bobby the first and then Tony with two. And I got so many memories of those guys and fun things we did and a few times, a few intense <laughs> things with Tony, yeah. but uh, we joke about that all the time, but... I think the fact that uh, those two guys, really what's happened in racing, when you get in it, we, you know, I originally um, met with uh, Interstate Batteries. We didn't have a driver. We didn't have a race shop or anything. And so when we recruit and get going with your drivers and everything, to have those two guys, they really had a lot to do with building our race team and getting wins and us being able to get sponsors. So they were a big part of our history. How does one go from being 
winning three Super Bowls and being a Hall of Fame football coach to getting into NASCAR? Well, I, like I said, I'm probably the f- most fortunate guy in the world. When we were enjoying football, and our whole family did, um, both J.D. and Coy played in college, and Coy uh, played at Stanford and everything. And then, you know, we all enjoyed football. I was coaching it. And so as we grew up in that world, the two boys, though, as they came along, J.D. and Coy, they were all on everything that had a motor. They were on it, go-karts, jet skis, motocross bikes. And so we would go to races. We love races. I had hot rods and stuff when I was a teenager growing up in Southern California. And so the farther we went, the boys said, hey, Dad, can we, you know, hey, we'd like to start a race team. And it was kind of, it was really a dream. And we put a dream on a sheet of paper. We didn't have anything. And visited Norm Miller at Interstate Batteries in Dallas, and he said, let's do this. And so that's kind of our history. Our history was we were in football, all the fun things in football, but all of us love motorsports, and the two boys were always involved with something, racing something. And so that's really kind of our history. Wow. So I, I would assume that same drive, as it were, in football, you brought that to NASCAR. I mean, three Super Bowl champions, four uh, NASCAR Cup Series championships. Well, I think the the um, it's it's still t- it's teamwork. And what I found the whole time I was in football, grew up in it, I was more the technical person over there because you design plays, call plays, and be the coach. When I moved to racing, that I did not grow up in racing. I wasn't a technical person. So with the race team, I tried to pick the people, keep the sponsors happy, and I told everybody. My biggest thrill is to try and pay the bills the first of every month. <laughs> so <laughs> a, a different role. But I found that both those worlds are so close to each other because they all evolve around people, competition, and if you get the right people together, you're going to be successful. The Super Bowl championships, um, any one of them, three of them, three different quarterbacks, any one of them more special than the other? No, I don't really think so. I mean, it's hard. You can't separate those all for different reasons obviously our first one with everybody joe theisman but the thing i like to emphasize we played great defense and great special teams those years we were well balanced so the first one was the first one and that's so special and everything that goes there and the second one was when we had the great second quarter there down 10 nothing and Doug Williams' story and everything that was wrapped into that. And, again, our defense did such a great job for us and teams. And then the last one, 91, was that that team just had a real closeness to it. And um, I think if you look at all three of them, totally different, a thrill. You couldn't express, you know, I try and express what that meant to us, and you can't. They're just all special and different. And uh, loved every minute of it, and it was a thrill. How are you, I mean, obviously you're into this. It's going well for you. I mentioned four Cup Series championships. Um, you, you don't have any plans to re- – five, five Cup Series championships. You don't have, I, I don't want to short you. I don't want to short you, Coach Kidd. Uh, uh, no, no plans to retire anytime soon, right? Yeah, no, I think they'll probably uh, carry me out. <laughs> I think – I don't know what I'd do, really. I can't go home because Pat doesn't want me hanging around there. Uh, but, you know, I, I just I just love being a part of the action. I love, honestly, every weekend we go to the racetrack and, and trying to compete against the best race teams in the world, try and win, the thrill of that. 
I don't think I would ever be happy if I'm not involved in something competitive that you're trying to accomplish something. I think that's kind of my world. An absolute honor for me as a Redskins fan. And then, of course, the success that you're having uh, in NASCAR. Uh, congratulations on the induction and continued success in all you do. Thank you, Donald. I appreciate it. And even before the interview, we sat down. I mean, I'm a big Redskins fan. I told him wore the proper attire for it. And, uh, you know, we probably talked for about four or five minutes prior to the interview, sort of lessened the time that we actually had for the interview. His son passed back in January of last year. And for more information about uh, the foundation, JDGibbsLegacy.com, JDGibbsLegacy.com, a very religious man is Joe Gibbs. Still to come here on the program, big news from A&T, Will Jones from North Carolina A&T Basketball, but up next, my top 10 HBCU recruiting classes. It's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row, the biggest names, our guests on Box to Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Oh yeah, well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day. You know, uh, we've been through a lot as a team. And I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. This is Michael Vick. Hi, this is Layla Ali. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Skylar Diggins. Hey, it's Alex Morgan with the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused. Yeah, and I was really um, ready and serious. Just really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real, relevant radio. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Brothers on my jock, pull the way I hold a piece of steel. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. Join us on the conversation via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number 2 R-O-W. You can also hit me up and follow us, as a matter of fact, while you're there. Uh, also on Instagram at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. You can also hit me up uh, on my personal Twitter page account at dware one or also on instagram where donald so it's that time in the program national signing day was wednesday uh where where i ranked the top 10 uh, or my top 10 uh, hbcu football recruiting classes from the fcs programs been doing this for quite some time i think this is year either well actually in the beginning uh, we used to partner with some other uh, entities and uh, then ultimately decided to to sort of venture out and really get into um, doing the research and uh, and all of that. And I would say that probably started around 2007, maybe 2008. So I've been doing it for uh, for a little while. It's not an exact science, but um, it is uh, in terms of doing the research and some of the needs that the teams need and all of that. Uh, this is what uh, I've been able to come up with. Uh, for this year tied at number 10 North Carolina Central really placed an emphasis on the wide receiver five wide receivers in this recruiting class when you think about uh, NCCU at the beginning of the year 
you know, had sort of an issue at the quarterback position from a standpoint of you had a, a, a quarterback uh, injured. You had a quarterback that uh, went into the transfer portal. Uh, ultimately, it was Davius Richard that ultimately came through, did a, a good job. Um, Central had. Uh, a couple of three-star kids, and one of the wide receivers, Devontae Walker from West Charlotte, had an offer, had offers from West Virginia, ECU, and Liberty. Um, you know, and, and when you talk about Trey Oliver, he's a defensive guy, had a three-star linebacker. Solomon Sutton, uh, also out of Charlotte, went to Vance, uh, had another two-star wide receiver in Twan Flip. Uh, out of Myers Park in Charlotte, so uh, went into Charlotte, but stayed a lot within the state. Uh, also picked up a couple of quarterbacks uh, to challenge for that job. Quest Powell out of Freedom uh, High School in Chantilly, Virginia, uh, and then also quarterback Walk, uh, Walker Harris, who passed for 3,304 yards and 36 touchdowns uh, on the season. And so I had uh, North Carolina Central at number 10 tied with Prairie View A&M at number 10 as well. I thought Prairie View A&M, and I think, you know, when you look at uh, what Prairie View A&M was able to accomplish, a couple of three-star linebackers. I mean, Prairie View A&M offensively was solid, had some issues uh, injury-wise at the quarterback position, uh, but defense was a major issue for the Panthers this past year. Signed a three-star linebacker, Jesse Evans, from C.E. King in Houston. He could play right away, had offers from Texas A&M and Memphis, amongst others. And then also another three-star linebacker, Jordan Williams, from Archbishop Rummel in uh, Materi, Louisiana, had 18 offers, okay, including from the likes of Louisville, Navy, Southern Miss, just to name a few, a couple of defensive linemen, Troy James from Madison Prep in Baton Rouge, had originally uh, signed, and he... uh, he had originally signed in Oak at Oklahoma in 2017. Didn't really see much information about him, but, uh, you know, is expected to come in and play right away. And then a defensive tackle in Kendall Johnson from South Oak Cliffs High School, uh, Cedar Hill, Texas. I guess that's the Dallas area, maybe. Um, explosive run stopper. Um, had offers from Texas Tech, Houston, Rutgers, amongst others. Hampton at number nine had a small class, but productive with the class, I mean, when you look at uh, any time you can sign like a three-star running back, three-star quarterback, uh, Hampton signed a three-star running back in Elijah Burris uh, out of Mount Island Charter. That's in Gastonia, North Carolina. Um, in his career, rushed for over 7,500 yards and 102 touchdowns um, in this past season, uh, 2,832 yards, ranked the 86th. Uh, best running back in the nation, 44th best player in the state of North Carolina, had uh, offers from UNC, West Virginia, Charlotte, Coastal Carolina. That's a big get uh, for Hampton. Um, You look at uh, staying local uh, a a little bit, a three-star defensive back, Corey Wilson from Phoebus in Hampton, first team all state, all Tidewater, uh, rated the 43rd best player in Virginia by ESPN. Some other guys, a two-star defensive back in Adam Atkins, uh, who went to Southeast Guilford uh, in uh, in North Carolina, played uh, in the Shrine Bowl and uh, had a 
a, a defensive back, a transfer from Kentucky and Stanley Garner, uh, who originally uh, had uh, played at Dillard in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, I, I just thought it was a good class uh, for Hampton, had them at number nine. Uh, at number eight, I had North Carolina A&T. Uh, this year, A&T had a lot of uh, a lot of FBS transfers. I mean, I think some guys that are going to come in and help them right away going to be, you know, I mean, A&T's got a tough schedule uh, upcoming uh, with the likes uh, of of uh, of Liberty and the likes of North Dakota State uh, upcoming. Um, but you know, I think one of, in in a lot of the schools, but A and T more specifically, going up against the likes of ECU and App State in the state of North Carolina, uh, FBS programs and winning some of those battles. I mean, for instance, uh, a three-star offensive lineman Isaiah Brooks, who had an offer from ECU, uh, was able to get a three-star linebacker Taekwon King out of Dillon High School uh, in South Carolina, participated uh, in the Shrine Bowl. Uh, a couple of transfers that are going to come in and help right away i mean uh you know you already got john main martin there uh running back courtney mckinney's a transfer from wake forest um could have an immediate impact in the backfield and you know i mean a t when you talk about running backs uh, over the last couple of years i mean it's one of the best uh in the country uh you know so a lot of transfers also including robert porsche the son of robert porsche the great hbcu player from south carolina state had a great uh, nfl career as well transferred in from virginia tech uh also picked up a quarterback nicholas wilds lawning uh out of northwest cabarrus uh you know uh, they gotta fill the quarterback role uh, already a couple of guys on the roster, but added another quarterback did A&T. And number seven, I have Grambling uh, added a Juco transfer quarterback in Elijah Walker from Trinity Valley. Originally played at La Tech. Uh, you know, a guy that probably can come in and, and do some things right away. Added uh, a three-star wide receiver in Trenton Grow out of West John High School in Louisiana. Uh, offers from, uh, you know, a couple of different schools as well. Three-star linebacker and Josh Darling from Gordo High School in Alabama's first. I mean, when you're first team All-State, All-Region in Alabama, you're doing some things. Added, you know, uh, uh, Grambling went for some immediate help, some guys that have already had some college experience at the JUCO level. Uh, a two-star offensive lineman in Demarcus Tinsley out of Dodge City. Uh, another two-star offensive lineman, Jackson Sanders, out of uh, 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 not a JUCO kid. Uh, 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 Josh Jefferson was the JUCO kid uh, out of um, uh, ASA Community College. Another offensive lineman who's a two-star out of high school in Jackson Sanders. Um, so really took some time on the offensive line uh, to bolster that uh, that uh, unit did Grambling. I had them at number seven. Uh, Bethune-Cookman I had at number six. Uh, you know, I mean, again, when you're able to get a three-star running back, you're doing something. Terry Lindsey from Evangelical Christian School in Fort Myers, uh, Florida, had some offers from Cincinnati, Iowa State, Kentucky, Temple, uh, just to name a few. Uh, got a three-star cornerback in Michael Holmes from Reball in Jacksonville. Highly recruited player, 20 offers, Arkansas, Georgia Tech, Maryland, Temple, Boston College, etc., etc. Um, really bolstered that defensive backfield. Uh, added a kid, Jonathan Johnson, uh, who had offers from Tennessee, Nebraska, Illinois. Um, so I, I, I like, I mean, I thought, you know, this is this was a strong 
class overall uh, with respect to HBCUs. You got Bethune-Cookman sitting at number six, and I thought Bethune-Cookman had a phenomenal class. I had Alcorn State at number five. It was a class that jumped out to me immediately uh, as I read through it. Was able, uh, Coach McNair, his staff, able to get a lot of guys that can come in and help right away. Juco guys like a running back, uh, Austin Bolton, Juco transfer from Mississippi Gulf Coast, uh, led, helped lead them to an undefeated uh, season and a Juco national championship. Um, they, 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 they just needed to reload, I think, the Braves. I think the Braves are going to be tremendously strong. Obviously, the quarterback position is solidified. And this is what I'm saying about the running back position, a three-star running back high school kid, Javonta Leatherwood from Central High School in Tuscaloosa, rushed for 6,242 yards and 71 touchdowns in his career, 5A Alabama uh, Player of the Year, uh, had a lot of different offers, uh, was the 76th best player uh, in the state of Alabama and 111th best player in the country. Alabama A&M at number four, Connell Maynard uh, did a tremendous, he and his staff did a tremendous job, needed to replace Jordan Bentley, gets a three-star running back, uh, Ryan Morrow uh, out of Maplesville in Alabama, another three-star kid, a safety, Khalil Griffin uh, from Sparkman, highly recruited, big-time player, did some other work, uh, did the uh, the Bulldogs, a three-star cornerback in James Davis out of Belgrades in Florida. I mean, this was a really, really good class um, for Alabama A&M. Alabama State, I thought, had a, a, a tremendous class uh, as well. I had Alabama State at number three, highlighted by a three-star quarterback in Joe Owens from Wren High School in South Carolina, threw for almost 4,500 yards, 62 touchdowns, rushed for uh, another uh, 11 touchdowns, and um, that was just in one season. Bunch of three-star kids for Alabama State did a tremendous job at number three. Tennessee State jumped right out at me and had them uh, at number two. Tremendous job uh, by Rod Reed. Six three-star kids needed a quarterback badly. Got a three-star quarterback in Edwin Rhodes. I don't, I don't know if he's, you know, he's not the prototypical type of quarterback uh, that Rod Reed is used to, but still uh, a three-star kid. Then at number one, Florida A&M, out of the 16 recruits, six of them three stars, a couple of transfers. I would say the big deal in this class you got a lot of guys right uh but the big deal helping right away john holcomb the transfer from kansas state steps in right away where ryan stanley is gone xavier smith and that wide receiver crew tremendous florida a&m number one up next here on from the press box to press row north carolina a&t acting head men's basketball coach will jones Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The North Carolina A&T men's basketball team is on a tear, one of the hottest teams uh, in the country. And getting ready to take a road trip, as a matter of fact, uh, this weekend. As a matter of fact, it starts Saturday uh, at Bethune-Cookman and Monday at Florida A&M. And joining us is the acting head men's basketball coach at North Carolina A&T, Will Jones. Joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Jones, welcome to the program. Hey man, how you doing? Doing awesome, man. I think I I know you must be doing awesome because and we'll talk. I mean, you you sort of came in at the end uh, of December uh, as the acting head coach, but I tell you what, 
the Aggies are playing some good ball. Just your thoughts on the way the team is playing right now. You guys are 12 and 12, 8 and 1 in the MIAC atop the MIAC alone. Yeah, the guys are uh, in a good place. Um, we're continuing to get better um, every game. Um, the league is as competitive as it's been uh, since been in it. Uh, we're taking a one game at a time approach. And um, if we continue to do that and continue to have fun, I think. Uh, I think we'll continue to be successful. Yeah, you've won nine of your last ten. Speak. No, I think you. I, you know, you mentioned the word fun. Like the atmosphere in Corbett is off the chain. Like it's unbelievable. The students, the alumni, just the whole atmosphere. It's a great college basketball atmosphere. And what I like and what I've seen is that your team, in a sense, plays to the atmosphere. You guys go out let loose you bring them reel them in when you got to but those guys are having a lot of fun no they're going out there and playing together that's something we talk about uh, play together use each other i think we got a lot of tools i think we got guys that, that are athletic we got guys that can make shots uh, we got guys that can uh, make plays off the bounce and so we want to just go out there night in and night out and use each other to make plays and um uh, it's been successful for us and uh I gotta tell the guys I'm not gonna hold them back. As long as we're defending and doing what we need to do on defense, especially basketball, I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah, uh, let me take you back to last Saturday, the victory over Norfolk State. In essence, it was for first place, or at least a share of first place in the MIAC. Ultimately, now Norfolk State has lost two games, so you're in sole possession. Speak about that game. That was more of a game where early on the three ball was working for you, where seems like in MEAC play, the three ball has been working more than prior to MEAC play. And then it was almost like Lob City. You guys must have had like seven or eight alley-oops in that basketball game. We're, we're trying to run for layups and, you know, force the teams to get back in transition. Uh, we have an advantage that we have more than a couple of guys that can play way above the rim. And so we're either going to push it down and, and get a wide-open layup or reverse the basketball, move it, get a wide-open shot for a good shooter. And so we try not to take highly contested shots. We try to keep the defense off balance. And the guys are really bought into pushing the ball. And uh, we're going to try to continue to do that. It's been really, really successful and really, really fun for players and the, and the, and the fans. What what your philosophy? So you you obviously been with with uh, with Jay Joyner for uh, for some years. You know what what like there's a obviously there's a there's a difference. I mean you have a maybe a little bit more of a different uh, philosophy because the guys a little bit more loose, but not not even that. I mean it's like your your the offense has gone up where we didn't see that in the first part of the season, if you will. Yeah, Coach Joyner is a big-time offensive coach. You know, he manages the game well, big-time game manager. Um, I like to play more up and down, uh, you know, get up and down to force teams to have to make adjustments on the fly, which a lot of teams aren't really good at making adjustments on the fly. And uh, so we try to put them in a bad position by um, playing faster and forcing some tempo. I think that's to our advantage. And, We've been able to get some easier baskets and uh, get some wide open threes instead of taking highly contested threes. So I really believe that's been the difference for us. 
Will Jones is the acting head men's basketball coach at North Carolina A&T. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Aggies 12-12 and on the season 8-1 and in MEAC place sit uh, atop the MEAC alone. So you get the job at the latter part of December. Uh, kind of talk about that. I mean, obviously it was unexpected. Um, I guess, you know, you, you I guess as an assistant coach, you should always be prepared for anything. But speak to that, to that moment in terms of getting the job and sort of what was going through your mind. I'm not sure if you had ever been a uh, a head coach at any level. It's been, uh, you know, an you know, opportunity to be, uh, you know, a head coach at the high school level for one year in between college jobs. Uh, my first year in coaching, I took over uh, – Division two program, Lemoyne Owen, for the last five games of the of the season. Um, just working for some really good guys over the years, and just trying to be ready whenever my opportunity came. Uh, it's something that you don't work on when it happens. It's something that you got to work on every day. And I try to carry myself like a head coach every day. Coach Joyner gave me unbelievable uh, responsibilities, and I was, uh, you know the defensive coordinator for the past four years, associate head coach. Um, and so when you tr- when you do those things on a daily basis and, you know, A&T, when we got here four years ago at the bottom of the league and, you know, just helped the program get to the top of the league in the years that you know, I've been here, um, it was a seamless transition. Um, the focus went directly on the players, making sure they were going to be in a successful place in a successful position. And, uh, you know, change a little bit as far as the style we play. And they bought into it. And, you know, that's what's brought us to where we are right now. Thank you. Yeah. No, I think it's an excellent point, especially when you talk about going back four years. And, I mean, you know, it, you, you were part of that program that won, what, maybe two games. Uh, one of them was against North Carolina Central, so one division, one game um, that year. We've talked with Coach Joyner um, about that. What was what was that season like? And can you speak to going from that, like a two-win season, was that three years ago, four years ago, to now being atop the MIAC and one of the best teams in the league? Yeah, I mean, it's a process that um, I have been a part of at Jacksonville University in Florida, a uh, process uh, at, at Charleston Southern trying to get that program from the bottom of the league to the top of the league. And so there's some things that you have to go through, some things that you have to get in place. Um, we knew that year we had some guys sitting out. And so, uh, we were, you know, we didn't know how we were going to get through it. You know, we, didn't, we never imagined that we would only win a couple games that year. But every day, you know, we focused on, um, you know, just trying to get better and recruiting and making sure we had uh, the pieces to the puzzle for the next season and put the foundation in. And once we won that last game of conference of the conference season versus uh, North Carolina Central, we haven't lost the conference game uh, at home since. And that's been uh, this will be year four. Will Jones is the acting head men's basketball coach at North Carolina A&T. Joins us here on the program. Cameron Langley is our reigning box to row national player of the week. Had a triple double um, going back uh, to last week and. I mean, just double-digit assist games. He's, you know, he leads the MEAC in assists by far. Talk about him and what not only he means to this program, but how uh, the program uh, goes, if you will, uh, or the team, I should say, goes because of him. 
man, you know, Cam's a winner. And, um, you know, he, he is definitely the captain of the ship. Um, he makes sure uh, we're doing what we need to do. Uh, I really, you know, want people to understand, you know, that kid's successful. He may be or may have won the most games um, in the MEAC over the last three years. Uh, you know, I thought he was more than a third-team player last year in the MEAC, but this year, you know, he's really pushed it. Uh, I think he's, you know, in the running for hopefully, you know, a first-team all-conference selection or maybe even a player of the year. Uh, he deserves that respect, and I think he's earned it. So let's talk about this road trip. It's generally a, a difficult road trip uh, when you you go to uh, Bethune Cookman. That's one. Of, I mean, that you, you talk about um, uh, uh, the atmosphere at Corbett. Well, the atmosphere at Bethune Cookman. It's a smaller uh, uh, arena, but man, the atmosphere is off the chain there. And then, of course, you go to Florida A and M. You beat them uh, earlier, maybe what two, three weeks ago or so. You know, talk about some of the challenges that the Wildcats and the Rattlers present. Uh, you know, two good teams, um, you know, winning on the road, no matter you know, who you play is tough. Uh, we have to prepare the right way. Uh, we have to be ready to defend. Uh, we have to be able to go into a, a hostile environment where the odds are against you. And um, the mental toughness, the grit that you need to have is something that we're talking about every day in practice. Uh, but we're going to take our style on the road again and try to duplicate what we do um, and put the pressure on the other team to have to deal with that. But um, no doubt about it, we talked about defending, um, and if we can defend, I think we'll be fine and have a chance to win at the end of the day. Last thought, and we appreciate the time. Uh, you saw you go back a couple of years ago. Hampton makes the move uh, from the MEAC uh, to, the, to the Big South A&T you know, making that move as well. Your thoughts from a more of a competitive uh, standpoint uh, with respect to joining the Big South and whatever other thoughts you may have about the whole move. You know, it was an interesting day on campus. Um, You know, for me, the possibility of our program at A&T going to the Big South, a league that I've worked in, you know, just comparing what we have to offer uh, to compete with the upper echelon of that league, the Winthrop's, the Radford's, uh, UNC Asheville's, uh, Upstate's. Uh, It's going to be a great challenge for us, but I think what we bring at A&T as far as competitive nature of all sports, we have a chance to be successful. Uh, And, again, uh, I've worked in the league – Coach Dorsett, our assistant coach, has worked in the league at High Point for nine years. And so, you know, from my standpoint, I know what we need to do to be successful in that league. And I think uh, with the resources that we have uh, and the connections that we have, that I think we have a chance to be successful. Yeah, how how does it stack up? I mean, how does the Big South stack up against the MEAC? You know, uh, a lot of similar, you know, I think the MEAC is probably – of more of a, a junior college transfer league um, and trust, you know in, in the Big South you can get a really good high school kid and um, it's something I've been talking about in recruiting as far as being able to get some of the better high school recruits uh, that sometimes the knock is that they didn't want to play in the MEAC or it was the HBCU well I mean uh, from an academic standpoint we have some of the top academics 
And now you have a team that's in a you know, a PWI league. And now we're going to go chase those those high school kids and, and, and show them that they can be successful right at North Carolina a and um, You know, many people, you know, they want the, the five-star kid, Zion Williamson, to attend the HBCU. And I would love for Zion to attend the HBCU. But what we're going to try to attack is we're going to go out and try to get John Morant. Uh, we want to go out and get that kid that uh, played for, you know, a program like Murray State or a program a program like uh, East Tennessee State. Uh, we want to go ahead and get those type of kids on campus and turn our program into a powerhouse at the mid-major level. Wow. He is the acting head men's basketball coach at North Carolina A&T. He is Will Jones, the Aggies, 12-12 and on the season, 8-1 and in the MEAC, sit alone in first place. Going to be on the road on Saturday at Bethune-Cookman and at Florida A&M on Monday. Coach Jones, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Aggies. Uh, I really appreciate it, man. Anytime. Speaking of North Carolina A&T, let's talk A&T and the Big South. After this, you're locked into From the Press Box to Press Row. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. To from the press box to press row. If you want to participate on the conversation? Hit us up via Twitter at box to row b o x t o r o w, or on Facebook b o x the number two r o w. In the last segment, joined by the acting head men's basketball coach at North Carolina A and T, Will Jones. Uh, the Aggies obviously playing very well right now, and got his thoughts on the move to the Big South. Um, you know, happened. To, I was at the press conference on, uh, on, on Friday uh, on the campus of North Carolina A&T State University. You know, I, I've, as I've really tried to reflect, and I, I, think, the, I think that the, the press conference uh, sort of answered some questions that I had with respect to this move. Because, you know, I, I had a couple of people on Thursday ask me, well, what are your thoughts or how do you feel about the move? You know, what, what do you think about it? And, you know, I, I really, to be honest with you, I really didn't know because I had really just a lot of thoughts in my head. I mean, I think my initial thought, and, and by the way, this is not the same thing as Hampton. I, 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 was, I was critical of Hampton a couple of years ago because of the way Hampton did it. They made the announcement in November uh, that they were going to make the move the next year. And, of course, you have to let the conference know, per the bylaws, by June the 30th of the previous year. So A&T is doing this the right way. And, by the way, and, and, and it's strategic. If you look at what A&T did, released its football schedule for the upcoming 2020 season on Wednesday. Then this announcement came out on Thursday and then the subsequent press conference on Friday. So it, it, it was strategic and, and they're going to play the football schedule before them and going to play in the MEAC for the 2020 season. Um, you know, again, my initial thought was, wow, uh, a founding member of the MEAC. North Carolina A&T is a founding member of the MEAC and you're going now to a conference 
that is not in HBCU conference. Hampton is in the conference. I mean, we have a couple of those. I mean, you can look at Tennessee State in the OVC. Uh, you can even look on the Division II level. You can look at Cheney in the uh, uh, in the PSAC. You can look at West Virginia State in the uh, in the old WVIC, uh, v, uh, WVIAC now uh, in the Mountain East. So that's that's it's nothing you know nothing new about that. But and in in being at this press conference, this was definitely a business move. So let me just give you a little bit of background and then I'll give you my thoughts. So, you know, Chancellor Martin, who I, I, I'd been around him a couple of times, had never really heard him speak. I mean, you know, he, just the, the way that he presents things, it's very business minded. And, and obviously you have to be that way. And you can see why A&T, quite frankly, is where it is, the, the largest HBCU. Uh, you talk about athletics, which is a marketing arm, which I'll get into a little bit more later on. Um, you can see why A&T is where it is right now. It's no question about that. Um, so there was a, I guess, for lack of a better term, a think tank that was put together uh, about five years ago to really look at athletics and what athletics really not only brought to North Carolina A&T, but how the student athletes, it was a lot of talk about student athletes and how um, just just sort of, I guess, athletics and the university as a whole can be uh, can really move forward through athletics. I think that's the best way uh, to kind of say that. And actually, the correct term is athletics assessment committee. It was formed about five years ago. And uh, the that committee basically or in essence said that this you know and they didn't say as much in the press conference but I think they felt like it was time to move from the MEAC okay and I'm not saying they said that's not what they said but I'm saying in in everything that I gathered that it was time to make a move from the MEAC, whether it was to an FBS conference, which is uh, what was mentioned, uh, and also an FCS conference um, as well. So that was put together. Um, and ultimately, that decision was made. Uh, we obviously come to where we are now. The Big South actually wasn't that A&T looked to be in the Big South. The Big South extended an invitation to North Carolina A&T. And I think that happens all the time. I mean, I asked the commissioner of the Big South directly, uh, is, uh, is there going to be further expansion by the Big South and more specifically, MEAC schools? Because I think because A&T has, is the big dog and has sort of uh, uh, taking that step, and I know Hampton took the step already, but A&T is on a whole different level, um, that I think other MEAC schools may follow. One of the things that I like to see, and this is no knock on A&T, we, you know, the MEAC is a conference made up of HBCUs, and I, I always want to see our conferences, okay, and more specifically in this situation, the MEAC have success okay and for whatever reason uh and this is my opinion uh a&t felt like it needed to move on from the MEAC and move into uh, another conference i think this is a, a definitely a, a move of position not only with respect to athletics 
Um, it is definitely uh, a move with respect to marketing the university. When you look at A&T, uh, not A&T, but if you look at any athletics program, generally it's a marketing tool for the university. Okay, because if you look at it, not a lot of universities make money. Even the big, even some of the big schools, they don't necessarily. Some of them do, you know, the Alabamas of the world and so on and so forth. But there's not a lot of schools that actually are in the black when it's all said and done. So it becomes more of a marketing tool. Um, just being here in the state of North Carolina, I'll give you an example. Um, my children are in robotics and in robotics heavily. We're, they are on various teams and so forth. And A&T as a university sponsors like these robotics competitions throughout the state, their name, meaning A&T, is on every single thing. And I think this move, in part, um, is a way to further market the university uh, outside of uh, the MEAC, outside of the, you know, sort of the quote-unquote HBCU realm. And I think that's where A&T um, is going with this. I mean, it, it, it's it's you know no surprise why A&T is the largest HBCU um, as it stands right now. So it's um, you know no no question about that. I want to kind of look through um, some of uh, some of what came out of this as well because to me, you know, I I, I, I and I want I want to know what the MEAC's response is to this because again, I don't think that this is the last school. That's going to come out of the MEAC and move to another conference, perhaps uh, to, uh, in fact, the, uh, the the Big South. This was the other thing that came out of this. They, it was a lot of talk about student athletes, welf, uh, welfare, not, not just the welfare, but um, it was going to be a better experience for the student athlete. Um, more so, I think, from a travel standpoint than anything else. I mean, I don't think they were getting at anything else other than it was going to be a better experience for the student athlete. More so from a travel um, standpoint, would have loved to have seen a student athlete at the press conference to talk about what was said about said student athlete. Uh, but that that's that that's OK. The other thing that came out of this, and I think one of the bigger deals and Hampton said this uh, a couple of years ago as well, when it made the move was the travel costs behind this. So the travel uh, is reduced. And my my initial thought was because I looked at that. I said, well, if you're A&T and you got to play North Alabama, that's like a I think it's like a, to Florence, Alabama is like a nine and a half hour drive. That's longer a longer of a drive than either going to Florida A&M or, uh, or Bethune-Cookman. If you go up north, the drive to Monmouth is, I think it's also like nine hours and some change, which is longer than the drive to Delaware State. Uh, those are the longest drives. But what Earl Hilton, who I think has done a phenomenal job as the athletics director uh, for the years he's been uh, at A&T, and you can see, again, why – A&T, and specifically in this instance, the athletics department is where it is. Um, he he mentioned the fact in the press conference that this, the travel part, because it didn't really make sense at first, but the travel part is more about the smaller uh, sports, you know, where they won't have to travel as far. You, you, you're not going to have A&T necessarily, uh, you know, uh, 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 let's say, not not necessarily track and field, but let's you know one of the non-revenue sports. Let's put it like that. 
sort of traveling to a, a Florence to take on North Alabama or uh, to, to Monmouth, uh, yeah, to, to New Jersey to take on Monmouth. It's not really about that. And there are some closer um, uh, uh, schools, uh, uh, in a manner of speaking, a lot of schools within North Carolina. You look at Campbell University. You look at UNC Asheville. Um, you know, so there are some schools. I mean, Charleston Southern in South Carolina is less than a four-hour drive from North Carolina A&T. So I think from that vantage point, um, yeah, I, I definitely could see that. But boy, I tell you what, uh, you know, I wish that. I mean, I said this a couple of years ago when Hampton left. The conference. I, I didn't think it would be the last school. I just didn't like the way that Hampton left the conference. Um, but I think I thought at that time, I think there's some things that the MEAC needs to do and needed to have put in place. Uh, you know, a digital network, which now uh, uh, the MEAC has a digital network. Um, but wow, you, I would have just I would love to see, um, you know, I hope, I, and, and I've heard a lot of people say, well, that's it. You know, there goes the MIAC. I, I don't I don't think so at all. I mean, I think the schools that you have in the MIAC are going to remain uh, a, a lot of them, at least. I, I, again, I think eventually there may be a school that's, you know, ultimately going to leave. But, man, I just I just I don't know from, you know, sort of hard to put into words because I don't I think the MIAC is doing well, but I think there are some things that it could do better. And I just think that A&T felt like, hey, we have a strategic plan and the MEAC, where it is right now, doesn't necessarily fit the strategic plan we have. Thus, we need to uh, do something else. And that's ultimately what A&T did. Your thoughts. Hit me up via Twitter. At Box the Road, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. You know, I'm still trying to process this. I mean, I'm going to have some more thoughts on this, probably talk a little bit more about this on next week as well. I want to thank Will Jones, the head, the acting head men's basketball coach at North Carolina A&T, for joining us on the program. For more information on Box the Road, please log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support Yo, from the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications.